Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Chaser Report is recorded on Gadigal land. Striving for mediocrity in a world of excellence, this is The Chaser Report. Hello and welcome to The Chaser Report. I'm Charles Firth and with me today, as always, is Dom Knight. Hello, Charles. How's Adelaide going? Have you almost uh, left the burning city behind you and <laughs> vacated permanently? Yes, and uh, I'm leaving today and this morning I found the place that has good coffee in Adelaide. There's one place. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Mm. What's it called? It's called Abbott and Kinney. Like it's literally just you know a ripoff of that Venice Beach, lovely boulevard. Yeah, which have. is the one nice place in LA. Yes, it's the one nice place. One nice place in Adelaide. One nice place in LA. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, now, big big show today. There's lots to talk about. There's two weeks. It's of a Parliament bumper coming up. You know, over the next two weeks. So there'll be a lot of disappointment in the Albanese government. I, th- I think the honeymoon is not just over, but I, I think that a lot of people are feeling like. Maybe it's heading for divorce, um, so we'll cover mm. that. But first of all, I just wanted—I I wanted to start with something because I think I've got a, a solution. Oh, I love it when you have solutions to the China problem. Oh, thank goodness! Yes. So, which problem are we talking about? Are we talking about the one where um, the SMH is basically uh, yes. terrified everybody with the reds under the bed, or are we talking about the genuine concerns that the relationship is souring despite Penny Wong's best efforts? Well. I'm I'm talking about the fact that they're definitely going to invade us within three years, like, and and well, we're going to be at war with China. I mean, some say three years, Charles. Other experts say seventy-two hours. Yes. Now, so the thing is, I think I think everyone realizes that you know, like China's not the aggressor here. Like, like clearly, what's happening is um, Australia and well, America is going around whispering to everyone about how. Wow, we really need to buy a few more arms from, say, hmm, us, so that uh, you know, and just sort of doing a bit of you know, really good marketing, really, to sell their arms, and and people like Albo are just falling for it, like hook, line, and sinker. Um, the British has, has a really good defence thing. So, so the point is, you know, like the drumbeats of war, it's being controlled by people who want to sell lots of arms, right? And th- and that's a hard problem to get around, right? So, I think we need to learn from the Iraq War lesson. It's the twentieth anniversary of the Iraq War this week. That's when it broke out, and oh, yes. uh, Simon Crean actually had some really interesting things to say about the Iraq War. Are you sure? Oh, is that the same Simon Crean who used to be the Labor leader? Had well, something interesting to say. Well, the the funny thing is, I was actually involved in the anti-war movement back twenty years ago, right? Um, and and I remember at the time Simon Crean wanted to back in the American thing, and we forced him not to. We organised the numbers inside the Labor Party, and we fucking forced him to 
to oppose the war. And he's now going, oh, see, wasn't I right? What an amazing ha. victory for you, Charles. You must have been so proud, except for the fact that he was the opposition leader yeah. uh, and a very unpopular one at that. <laughs> it was and terrible. We it went to war anyway. We went to war anyway yeah. because John Howard just went along with America. But, but, but other than that, Charles, an amazing achievement of yours. But Simon had some really actually quite shrewd things to say, some lessons from the Iraq war of 20 years ago. I want you to have listened to them. I'll just play it to you. It was illegal at the time, and I released an opinion to that effect. This never went to the Howard cabinet until the last minute, and it was never debated properly in the Australian parliament in advance of going. They're important lessons to learn, and they still have to be practised. Now, this got me thinking, right? Okay, so the point is, we went to war without any proper cabinet process, and it didn't go to parliament. We can do that again. That's the lesson to learn from this, right? And the whole point is, what we should do is we everyone who wants to go to war with China, we should point out, hey, China might be a bit large. Like, if we go to war with China, odds are we'll probably lose, right? What we need is we need a smaller, pissier nation that we can win against. Oh, and point all, point all the whole warm-up game. Po- point them all in the direction of, you know, like... Yeah, like New Zealand or so—I don't know. Or I mean, who should we invade? What, what do you mm, reckon? New Zealand's a bit big. What about uh, the Solomon Islands? Vanuatu? Solomon Islands. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, Solomon Roo. Islands now is Roo good be a because the other good thing about the Solomon Islands, my dad uh, used to um, go over there a lot. And remember when they had that coup about ten years ago? Oh yeah. And and the coup leaders raided the. The armory, there's an armory where they keep all the guns on the island. And eventually, once the coup got subsided, there was one gun missing from the armory. And that that led to a sort of week-long hunt for the gun because they went, hang on, there's a gun on the loose in this island. And they found the gun and then they put it back in the armory. We know that they're undefended. I think that's a great idea. I think there is a big problem, though. We bought, we bought a whole lot of really heavy tanks to invade Iraq, remember, back then. And so our tanks aren't useful. You can't unload the tanks onto the Solomon Islands because uh, uh, our tanks aren't oh, appropriate well, for use around the Pacific. Charles, could your dad be the general in this attack? Could your oh. dad spearhead the Australian Army's Solomon campaign? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, so what we do, look, regardless, it doesn't have to be Solomon Islands. It could be like Fiji or... Yeah, um, I think Nauru is is just about small enough for us to take. Nauru, Pitcairn Island, I think that's only got about 50 people yeah. on it. Yeah. Anyway, point is, what we do is we point them in that direction. We say, look, you don't even need cabinet approval. You can just go to war against a country mm. and you get away with it. They can do it now. Like they're wanting to, they're wanting a sort yeah. of war to to get it out of their system. They go to war. We can win. I mean, arguably, Iraq war was more of a tie. I mean, there are still two thousand uh, troops, Western troops, in Iraq still to this day. Haven't actually quite <clears throat> won that yet. But you know, like. It would just. I think it's more certain that we would win than if we went to war against a country of 1.4 billion people. Weren't the winners of the of the Iraq War actually the Islamic State, um, the, the people who swept into the well, vacuum yes. that we created by getting this? <clears throat> it's a good idea, Charles. But an, another way to achieve that is that we've got all this pressure, all this pressures built up, all these experts, 
I think all the authors of that report in the Sydney Morning Herald, the Red Alert report, mm. Peter Harcher, all these people, what yes. we need to do is, yes. is disendorse them as Australians and have them mm. attack China on their own. Yes. Uh, just say to China, look, we, are, we can't control these people. They don't represent us. A small boat of, middle, of <clears throat> you know, middle-aged to elderly yes. blokes is heading towards the mainland of 1.5 billion people. I, do with them as you wish. I, no, look, I, lo- I like that. And look, even if we didn't disendorse them as Australians, I think what we do is we pass some legislation saying conscription should should first of all come from people who really wanted to go to war. Yes, right? exactly. So, At national yeah. service, who better yeah. to, to lead the way on national service than those yeah. calling for national service? I have no interest in national mm. service, but those who want to do it, I don't want to get mm. in their way. And if these people want to take on the Red Army, mm. which has, I think, more members than the entire population of Australia, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. Be my guest. It will be an interesting experiment <laughs> to see, yeah. uh, for, to go from sabre-rattling to an actual sabre to, to inevitable death, I am Charles. not sure that the pundits who are, are beating the drum of war have have that level of courage. Uh, I noted that um, Bevan Shields, uh, who's the editor of the Sydney Morning Herald, wrote this full-throated defence of beating the drums of war uh, at the end of last week. And he posted it to Twitter and then he promptly deleted his Twitter account because he was getting too many insults. So if he can't even win a Twitter war, um, I'm not sure he's going to be sort of at the front line Charging in, actually, because the other great thing about this thing, this this thing of attacking like Solomon Islands or something like that, mm. is you would we wouldn't need to buy those eight nuclear submarines, right? No, we could probably we could arrive on one of those inflatable boats that you can get at BCS. <clears throat> oh yes, um, you just need like I don't know a cheese grater or something. You wouldn't need much. Yeah, or kayak. Actually, Craig's got a couple of kayaks. We could probably borrow his and invade them. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I, it sounds like an amazing idea. Just to blow off some steam. Uh, why don't we do what China would do? Mm. Actually, we yes. don't even need to to attack a sovereign state. We just need to find a little dirt patch. Yes, sitting in the middle of the Pacific. Yes. And just put all these all these yes. drum beaters, they can all take over that island yes. and just laboriously reclaim land and build it up and Why they could put a runway in there if they want. And I, I just think all those commentators could be on their own little island and unfortunately wouldn't have internet access so we wouldn't be able to hear from them ever again. But they, we'd know that they were keeping us safe somewhere on a rock, an atoll somewhere, previously uninhabited. That's what China would do. They'd just garrison some random piece of dirt why don't we do the same thing? I like that. I like that. Um, I feel like what would they trade? Like what of value do they have to be able to, you know, trade with the rest of the world? Like what would Opinions. Peter Harcher, Bevan Shields and Andrew Bolt be able to <laughs> trade with the opinions. rest of the world? They opinions. Would, would, All right, they trade do, opinions. They, right. they, would, they would write their opinions on a little, yes. a little message, a little note that, They'd put it in a bottle, yes. float it out, yes. and it would be picked up by yeah. a few people here and there who would immediately dismiss it as being ridiculous. <laughs> okay. They, I wouldn't say it's a successful trade, but uh, mm. why not? So, no, so we solved that problem. I think that's something that the parliament should just address this week. Although, actually, it doesn't yeah. even need to go through parliament. So No, but it doesn't need to go to parliament. We just do I, it. The, the more discussion, yeah. just get into it. Just yeah. get into it and worry about it later. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Chaser Report. News a few days after it happens. Okay, the next thing is I want to talk about the, the fact that the government... Remember just before the election, the government said that they, they didn't want people's wages to go backwards, right? That was one of their key sort of strategies was like mm. their, their message was people's wages shouldn't go backwards under Labor. We are pro-wages increases, right? Sure. Listen to Katie Gallagher this morning on ABC Radio being asked by Patricia Carvelis about whether wages should go backwards or not. You, is that your position, that you don't want to see them go backwards? We would want to make, I think, for particularly for low-income workers, we want to make sure that you know they are getting sustainable and affordable pay rises. Um, and you'll see our submission uh, provided uh, through that wage case in but, the next couple of weeks. But I'm going to ask that it again politely. Will you put in a submission that says that they shouldn't go backwards? Well, we're currently finalising that submission, um, Patricia. So, so you're not wedded to that is- language. Well, no. She was much clearer on this podcast, Charles, before the election, criticising yeah. the Morrison isn't government. Isn't that weird? She seemed to have yeah. worked out what she thought back then. Yeah, isn't it weird? Maybe that, we should get her back on. That she seems to have forgotten one of the key commitments of the Labor Party. Anyway, you might think this is a problem that, you know, like that your wages are going to go backwards, right? But mm. I don't worry, everyone, don't worry, because all the banks are about to collapse anyway. So it probably oh, doesn't perfect. matter that our wages are going to backwards. In fact, having more money means that you probably have more savings in the bank, which will mm. mean that you'll lose more. You'll lose more. When so you'll end up worse collapses. overall. Yes. So it's actually it's actually a good thing. It's the Albanese government looking out for us by not giving us wage increases, by making our wages by making us having less wages. That means that we don't lose as much when the bank. I think collapse. I see. I think I see where you're coming from, Charles. And uh, yeah, the, the other thing is, yeah. even if your wages are increased, even if you did get an increase, given the, the cost of living increases, it's still a net decrease, right? No yeah. matter what happens, nobody's well, going to put your wages up by more than the cost of living. No, no, by no inflation. No, no. This is the thing. The Greens have actually. No, no, not the Greens. Sorry, the unions have actually put a submission into the Fair Work Commission because there's a wage case about to come up, saying actually, the, it should be a seven percent increase. People shouldn't go backwards. It should actually just keep up with inflation. So, you know, like there is an argument to say, and and that would that would seem to align with the promise that Labor made. Just before the election, what what confuses me is how come they've changed their mind after an election? Like, what has changed that means that they don't want they want wages to go backwards now? I just don't understand. Well, Charles, the important thing to note is that um, politicians' wages are set by an independent tribunal, and they always seem to go up. Have you noticed that? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But but Charles, you've got to understand, governing is very different from making campaign promises because people don't have to like Mm. you. The, the government knows. Mm. I mean, Anthony Albanese is a very experienced politician. He knows that it doesn't matter at all what anyone thinks of him until about more oh, this time next year. Oh, so what you're saying is their policy will once again be that they don't want wages to go backwards. 
in a year's the time just before the next yeah. election. By which time ah, the economy okay. may have stabilised. Yes. The other thing is they've only got to be, and this is the thing that they know best mm. of all, and, and John Howard was the master of this, speaking of Simon Crean. Mm. You've only got to be more popular than the others. Yes. You don't have to be objectively like, no one genuinely liked John Howard. Nobody wanted to hang out with John Howard. No. He just was brilliant at just doing whatever it took to be slightly more popular than yes. Simon Crean. In the case of Simon Crean, that was an extremely easy job. But <laughs> all Albo has to do is be less scary and horrifying than Peter Dutton. Yes. Peter Dutton, whose who's approach to AUKUS, I mean, this is the... This is the genius of Peter Dutton. He just came from out of nowhere. This wasn't even on the table. Mm. And he just said, we're going to be on board with these submarine, uh, with, with all the submarine purchases. We're going to do it as well. And you know what? We're going to get the money by slashing the NDIS. Thereby, <laughs> it wasn't even on the table. It yeah. wasn't necessary. He just yes. wanted to bring it into the debate that the NDIS had to be cut. Yes. Thereby terrifying all the millions of people who are on the NDIS about he's, a future coalition government. Sort of he didn't a, need to do that. He's sort of a reverse Bill Shorten, isn't he? Like Bill Shorten wanted to announce a whole lot of unpopular policies that were unpopular amongst the rich mm. just before the election. And Dutton's doing the same thing by announcing policies that will be really unpopular with the poor just before the election. Yeah, no one said, Peter Dutton, do you <laughs> yeah. think that the the <laughs> most needy and, and the people who have the most terrible quality of life and desperately need this extra funding among us which previously had bipartisan support, do you think we should slash and burn the NDIS as part of this? No yeah. one put that to him. That was his yeah. own idea. That was that was just him free freeballing. Like that. It was the first thing that came into his head yes. was, you know, all those free wheelchairs, let's yes. not do that anymore. <laughs> so that's the point. Oh. Labor doesn't have to be um, good. They certainly no. don't have to keep the unions yeah. happy. If anything, Charles, the, the, the role no. of the unions in a modern Labor government is to be the, the enemy. Is to is to is to you beat them up, Charles, to prove that you're not beholden to them. Well, one That's of, what the unions are for these days. One of the best things I heard on on uh, the, that Katie Gallagher interview on Monday was Katie actually was complaining about how the Libs were not coming to the table on on backing in their safeguard mechanism over over climate change and so therefore they had been forced to negotiate with the greens and the independents who actually want to do something about climate change the opposition and they're going but hang on Mm. you know this safeguard mechanism means that everyone will get their new coal mines and their gas mines and everything like that and yet the libs aren't letting us do this like they're complaining that the libs were (laughs) were sort of meaning that they'd have to have meaningful legislation on climate change so she was saying we're trying to yeah. help the polluters here. Yes. We're, we're trying to help your base. Yes, we're, we're trying, trying to help, help your base. <laughs> we want to screw over the environmentalists yes. and you won't help us. You're just being oh, obstructionist was, was what she said. So anyway, and then... Must to, be very rough being in a labor, modern Labor government, Charles. Now, we haven't, we haven't addressed... The, there's one final thing that I think we should talk about before we go, which is we haven't addressed the elephant in the room, which is that there were literal Nazis... Hmm. There were literal Nazis marching in the street in in Melbourne, in downtown Melbourne, like Nazis. Yeah, and and look, and I'm not talking about like Sky News commentators. I'm saying like real Nazis, you know, doing the salutes and everything like that, were marching in the streets in Melbourne. Isn't that refreshing? I mean, there was a time, there was a time when when being a Nazi was something you'd have to hide. 
It was a view, views you couldn't express at a dinner party. You certainly couldn't take to the streets <laughs> and do Heil Hitler salutes. That was considered yes. socially uncouth. Yes. You had to, you had to hide your deep-seated racism and, and absolute um, you know, contempt towards all other races. But in 2023 in, in Melbourne, you can find a band of brothers, and they were mostly men, to go out there and just, just lean into the white pride. At We've come such a long way mm. since the days of a fairly large global consensus that Nazis were bad and should be defeated on a global basis. That's not what we think anymore, Charles. Anyway, the point is, if we're looking around for someone to invade, like for a country to invade, mm. maybe maybe Germany again. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying that. Uh, <laughs> now, Charles, New South Wales election's coming up on the weekend. Uh, imagine... <laughs> The entertainment we're going to get out of that, at least three minutes of content, I would say. Yes. Um, it's oh, a big definitely. week. It's a very big week. Yes. Stay with us here on the Chaser Report for the least comprehensive coverage imaginable. Uh, our gear is from Road with part of the Iconoclast Network. See you tomorrow. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.